Okay, so <clears throat> in the Hebrew, we're on page 14, and in the English, Rabbi Shulman's translation is 12 towards the bottom. So the truth is that we already <clears throat> finished what's Izdalid in the Hebrew, and we're, uh, we're, we finished till the bottom paragraph over there. But I want to go back because there's a couple of words over here, two specifically, that we have to talk about that really are, are really fundamental to understand what this whole what the whole book is about really <clears throat> so let's just uh, summarize it's been a uh, two weeks at least so let's just summarize what, what what we learned until now and then i want to go a little into depth into some of the words that he uses here because they're very important so just to quickly summarize <clears throat> the rebbe said that the whole point of our chevra of this community is to have people working on the, de- the developing and uh, hitpatchut, uh, um, developing and, and uh, how do you say, to make better? Uh, the thought, to make it, to, to develop it, the, the word is, uh, okay, to develop thought, to be able to work on thought, to know how to be able to, to, to use Refinement. it. Refine thought, yeah. To be able to harness the power of thought to be able to serve Hashem, and specifically to be able to at any time, not just in Yom Kippur, because like he said the piece that, so I'll bring you a proof that all of us have the power in our thought to make ourselves connected to God. We all do it in Yom Kippur. Yes, there's a lot of uh, background, there's a lot of context, there's a lot of things happening, but the bottom line is that whatever got you focused, once you focus, you're there, like it's totally there. So Pizetsu said that our chevr is to take that ability and we want to be able to learn how to do that all the time. Then he said, what holds us back from that? What holds us back from being able to harness the thought to serve Hashem in such a way of focus, of consciousness and awareness? Two things. Number one, the lack of passion in serving Hashem. And number two, not being able to hold one's thought. What the, what the Buddhists call monkey mind. Right? That you can't keep your thought on one thing at the, for any length of time. It just hops all over the place. So the Piazetzner said <clears throat> that, um, that uh, so, then, so then he started asking, you know, he's dal- and so he's going to deal with those two problems later on. But then he said that, um, he spoke about that, why is it true? Why is it taka that we don't have the machshav chazaka? So now he started asking the previous paragraph, why, why do people not have this strong thought? Why are we not able to focus? Seemingly, we're b'nai neviim, right? We're, we're b'nai neviim, we're children of prophets. But children are prophets, like the Gemara says. So seemingly we, and we, we learned that prophecy, we spoke about at length, that which, fa- which, which a cerebral faculty is used for prophecy, the imaginative faculty, to be able to receive pictures, to be able to, to picture things, that imaginative faculty. So the Pizetsnus said, we have it in inheritance from our ancestors, from the prophets. So how come, how come, we're not, how come we have a hard time working on it? How, how come it's hard for us? When he said, we're not asking for mental gymnastics, right? We're not asking for pilpulim. We're not asking for cognitive, discur- discursive thought, which of course there's a difference. Eh? You can't ask from a person that's, that's not smart to say something smart. That's unfair. He said, that's not what we're asking. We're asking for a pshuta, simple faith, which we spoke about last week also, last time also at length. What simple faith? Feeling of presence. Feeling of God's presence. That God shining in your soul. So that's what we're asking for. Only what? That that should be... Um, further uh, uh, um, 
developed. In other words, not just to have it at this one thought, you know, of God shining my soul, but to be able to use the thought to think about them more and deeper and to go in deeper into that. And then we left, and then he finished the paragraph by saying that, <clears throat> that, um, he, that, that, okay, we spoke about the idea of the, what he, that, that the doctors, when a person has, has anxiety, they say to use the body because the body makes the thought weaker, right? Remember we spoke about that the doctors say when a person's suffering from anxiety, one of the things to do to heal oneself is to do manual physical work with the body, gardening or, or weightlifting or whatever, because why? Because it makes the mind weaker. Because it makes that you're not focused in the mind, you're focused more by, you're more somatic focused. So Pizzesno says, but the, the bad part about that is that when we're too connected to the body, when we're so connected, when we're so in sync, when we're so in touch with our body, then we have that problem that we also, our machshava gets weaker. So basically then he says, so then he finishes that paragraph and says, um, and shekain. Let's, uh, if you're in, follow me in the Hebrew, it's page 14, uh, eight, ten lines from the top, and it is in the English, on page 12, uh, the paragraph begins, uh, so when we wish. So it depends what you mean by brain. This, this, that's a whole discussion in and of itself. You know the. Modern, even modern, not even, modern science proves what mystical teachings have said for centuries, that there is no such thing as a mind-body duality, right? That the, the, the brain is in the head, but the mind is in the whole body, right? So it depends what you mean by strengthening the mind, and what it means weakening the body. So, but basically, the, the point that we're trying to say is that <clears throat> why is it that when a person's anxious it's recommended to do physical labor or when a person's depressed it's one of the best uh, uh, antidotes yeah. for depression is exercise. Why? Because depression and anxiety come from the thoughts. The thoughts running out of... You can't control the thoughts. You're not in control of your thoughts. So, But when you're focused on body, on somatic, on, on manual labor, so that makes the thoughts calm down. So you could call that strengthening, Mahshav, you could call it weakening. He means weakening, that he means to say that the doctors do it to make that the thoughts should simmer down. They shouldn't be out of sync, they shouldn't be so hyper-activated. Uh, uh, but the Nakud is that he's trying to say, but what that means for us in a bad way is that, that, uh, that, that because because we're so busy using our body all the time and we don't, use our, uh, we don't work on using developing our thought therefore that's what allow, that's what makes that the, the our wings are, are cut so to speak that we're not able to have that basically the point being that you have to work on it that, that would, that's what he's trying to say <clears throat> because since we work with the body we have to work with the machshav as with the thought as well so re, let's read inside the cave and shekane since we want to make this giant leap, we want to take this psiagasa. If you remember last time I mentioned that's from the Hilchas Shabbos, psiagasa means a giant leap. Since we want to take this giant leap, 
We want to take a leap from the lowliness of the body, meaning being ultra-connected to the body, and that's how we, how we walk the world. And instead, focus on we want to leap to what does it mean how does he translate it work of mindfulness okay I want to get back to that in a moment because since we want to make that leap we have to arouse the machshava from new and push train it we have to train, just like a child. Pizzasso said, how do you get a child to walk? The only way to get a child to walk is practice, getting him to There's no other way. You can't read books about it. How do you learn how to play piano? You have to, there's no, you can't read a book. So too, when it comes to machshava, it's meditation, it's practice. It's like any other muscle. So that's where we, that's basically what we left off. But what I want to talk about now is what he says over here, this idea that we're jumping up to this whole new thing called Aveda Samachshava. Aveda Samachshava. Now, now, we've spoken about it many times already. I don't agree with Rabbi Shulman's translation of this as mindfulness over here. We've spoken about that many times because without getting into the whole pilpul again, but basically, Machshava is, is, is the active thought process being harnessed. Right? That's what he means by Aveda Samachshava. But I want to talk about what does he mean when he calls it what, what is that? What's this phrase, the, the service of machshava? It's deliberate. Oh, okay. It's deliberate. It Good. Aware of okay. Intent. Intent, okay. But what does it mean, what, what does avayda literally mean? Service. Work, service. Service work. Yeah. So service, what does what service, where do we have this word service? I mean, usually we always speak about avayda sashem. So it's like Avedis HaMachshav is a part of Avedis Hashem. Let's take a step back for a second. What does Avedis Hashem mean? What does it mean to serve God? Why is it, why is, where does it come from, first of all, the idea of serving God? As Avedis, we use the words Avedis Hashem. Where does that come from? What's the, what's the source for that? Anyone have, have any idea where that comes from, from the Torah, where it says? Amin Shema. Oh, very good. It says in the Shema, To serve God with all your heart and soul. Right? Mm-hmm. It says that there, Chazase means Tfilu, but the other place, it says, the Torah says many times, you have to be Oivet Hashem. What does that mean, to Oivet Hashem? Submissive. Oh, submissive. Okay, submissive meaning, which is true. So the Alter Rebbe says, and explains in Tanya in chapter 41, that the idea being, it's not enough to serve God. Now, what does submissive mean? It's not enough to serve God with just love. One can't serve God just to get the, uh, the enjoyment and the excitement from it. That's not, that's not Aveda. Aveda means that it is submissive to all Malchus that one is accepting the yoke of heaven. In other words, what, what, there's always a question when I serve God, when I put on tefillin, when I daven, Who's initiating that? Me or God? In other words, is it because I want to or is it because God says it? So obviously you also have to want to. That's ultimately the goal. But the, the base is because Hashem says, Aveda means to serve Hashem, to do something because this is how you serve Hashem. Right? That's what Aveda Hashem means. So Aveda HaMachshava means that part of Aveda Hashem is serving God with Machshava. 
Now, this is a new thing that, as far as I know, I don't think before Hasidus that those words were used. But certainly the idea we're going to speak about in a second was very much used. But the, the phraseology of Avedis HaMachshava wasn't so... Uh, wasn't so used before. The word that they use, that, that really that the Torah uses, is dveikus. Dveikus is usually the same idea as Avedah Samachshava, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. What's dveikus? The way that the Ramban explains dveikus is that your mind is always with Hashem. Even when you're talking to other people, when you're doing your own thing, your mind is with Hashem. That, that's Avedah Samachshava, right? So, in order to understand this idea of Avedah Samachshava a little better, I want to learn with you a little Chavos HaLavavos. <laughs> Why is that funny? I, I, don't, I haven't had alcohol in years, so I mean, huh? Any alcohol is just like funny. Any what? I don't alcohol. drink. Alcohol. So a drinker. Like, oh, uh huh. Any kind of scenario with alcohol. Well, this is a Hasidic truth, so <sighs> par for the course. Okay, so. To understand this idea of Avedah and Machshav, because I just, the point I'm trying to make, I don't know if I'm expressing myself clearly, but the point I'm trying to make is that usually as Orthodox Jews, we don't associate being Orthodox with how your, like, it's always like how your thoughts are. The only thing that's usually stressed is what not, what's us or what you're not allowed to think about. That we all know very well. But what you had to think about, it's not really taught anywhere. In, in yeshiva, like, what, what am I supposed to think about? Oh, yudke vavke, a toisvis. But an idea that, that seemingly, means to worship God in your thought, to be submissive to God through using your thought, to feel God's majesty using your thought. What, in other words, it's, it's a training of knowing how to serve God with your machshava. To, you know, the, the problem is that we too often think that being, being from is just action, praxis. We all fall into that. It's, it's a very difficult pit not to fall into because since we're, we're told to do everything every day, again and again, you know, the, the Lubav Trebbe used to all the time say that what Chazal said, that every day it should be in your eyes like new, that every day you should feel it's like the first time you're doing it. Halavai, right? I mean, that's, that's not an easy thing to accomplish. So, uh, so it becomes that very often we do it by rote. We just, our bodies are involved. So listen to the Chavis HaLavavis. The Chavis HaLavavis was written in the 11th century. It was before the Rambam. So we're talking a good thumbs thousand years ago. <clears throat> What's crazy when you read books like this, I mean, it's not, they, 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 it's almost like they're talking to us now. It's like this humanity, the human condition doesn't change. <clears throat> That's not just in Jewish books. I mean, you read, you read uh, you know, Greek, Greek uh, Cicero, all these Greek politics, that the people are the same. People didn't change. So, <clears throat> I mean, most people do. So the, basically, the idea that I want to learn with you is what he says in the Hakdama to the, the preface to Chayvah Salvavah. So, of course, what does Chayvah Salvavah mean? Duties of the heart. So you right away understand that what's the book about? Avedis HaMachshava. The duties of the heart, meaning an inner thing. Serving God in an inner way. <clears throat> so the Chavaz HaVavaz says in his introduction that he says like this, there are two sides to the study of the Torah. The explicit external side and the hidden inner side. Meaning, explicit external side means what you do with your limbs, 
what you, what you say, right? But then there's the inner side, the hidden side, like how to serve God with your thought, not just what I can't think about, what should I think about? What, when I'm walking down the street, how can I be serving God with my machshava? How do I do that? So he says, I examined the books that were written by our post-Talmudic masters, <clears throat> which include many works in the commandments. I was looking for someone that spoke about the duties of the heart and discovered that all their efforts to interpret and clarify were devoted to one of three aims. He says, all the books of those that wrote books since the Gemara is one of three things. Number one is to explain the Torah and the books of the prophets, what we would call perushim. Number two was the preparation of summaries of the commandments. Right? The Bahag, the right, the, 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 what are the mitzvahs that have to do? And number three, a third aim was to win acceptance in the hearts of the people for the Torah's teachings by bringing proofs and refuting heretics. That's another type of genre of books. Proofs, right? What we call today scholasticism, medieval philosophy. He brings over here, it's interesting, he brings as the, the, from Reb Sadi Goin, the Book of Beliefs and Opinions, Amunas Vedeus from Reb Sadi Goin. We would right away say the Rambam, but he was before the Rambam, so he didn't even have the Rambam to bring. But Lamaisa, so he's saying that's the, all the books that are written are one of these three things. Explaining the Torah, what are the, explaining the mitzvahs, or refuting heretics and saying, you know, theology. I examined these writings and did not find among them a book devoted to the knowledge of the inward life. I found this field, the knowledge of the duties of the heart, to be neglected. No one had ever written a book about its foundations. This came as a great shock to me, and I began to wonder. Perhaps these duties of the heart are not obligatory according to the Torah, but are rather part of one's moral obligation to do his most upright and proper, meaning that it's above and beyond the call of duty. <clears throat> Perhaps that is why the, uh, the masses uh, uh, neglected to write a book about them. But he says, that's not true. I investigated the matter from the point of view of reason, scripture, and rabbinic tradition. I found the duties of the heart to be the basis of all the commandments. And, then, and he goes on, I'm not going to get to all the proofs, but he brings a million proofs, and then he makes this, this sentence. Listen to this comment. The, base of all the, the duties of the heart are the basis of all the commandments. If they were to be undermined, there would be no point to any duties of the limbs. I mean, careful who you say this to. Right? You have yeah. to be really careful who you say this to. But the idea is that he's saying if you don't, if your inside, if your inner life is not connected to Hashem, so what's the point of all yeah, duties right. of the limbs? Now, of course, Hasidus explains that there's an objective, huge unification with God that happens even though you, do, even though you don't have anything in mind. We're not going to get into that now. But of, but of course, we all understand that that's the most important thing. He says... Furthermore, it was clear, I'm just skipping around a little, it is clear to me that the duties of the limbs would not be complete without the accompanying will of heart and soul to do them. Right? Because, and, and he says, because what's the part of us that's the highest part of who we are? What's the hardest part? What's, he calls our most noble parts. It would not have been fitting for God to ignore our souls and our hearts, which are our most noble parts, and not obligate them to serve Him according to their ability. For without heart and soul, the service is incomplete. Now, as he's saying, the, the, the deepest part of who we are is our thoughts. I mean, that's what we live with all the time. Right? The, I mean, the tr true uh, enlightenment and mental freedom is knowing that one is not one's thoughts. Being able to, to, to take a step back and view the thoughts from a distance, so to speak. But Lamaisa, at the end of the day, what we live with is our thoughts. I, I, I always think about when I say that. 
You know, Jack Kerouac was the uh, the beat the beat, the yeah. beat poet. So he he wrote. At one time, he decided he wanted to go f- try to find enlightenment, and he was going to live up in a mountain. F- I think he said for like three months or something, and he was all excited without he was without drugs, without anything, just to meditate. And then he writes, and then I got there, and it was just old hateful me. <laughs> it was just old hateful me there, right? The inner, the inner life is the deepest. That's what we live with all the time. That's yeah. that's the hardest part to make peace with. So, yeah. Anyway, um, I'll just read one, read one more thing here. He says, "There is nothing that excuses us from the duties of the heart, from avodas and And interference, and this is basically what Piazzan also said, interference can only come from the love of worldly things. And from the ignorance of the Creator. The love of worldly things and ignorance of the Creator, as it says, and listen to this puzzle he brings from the fifth chapter of Yeshaya, quote, they have lyre and harp, timbrel and flute, and wine at their feasts, and they do not notice God's works, they do not see His handiwork. That's a great puzzle. Yeah. Isn't that great? I mean, those days they didn't have Netflix, so this is the, instead of, the, they have lyre and harp, Timbrel and flute and wine at their feasts, and they do not notice God's works, they do not see his handiwork. Which in simple English means that basically when people... Avedah Samachshav is, it demands changing oneself, right? I mean, a person could do a lot of mitzvahs, you put on film doesn't necessarily change you, at least in a conscious way. But Avedah Samachshav is living a different life. It's, it's a whole different thing. So that's, that's what he's saying over there. Now it's interesting, you know, in Hasidus, there's a, it's always said that one of the chidushim of Hasidus is Aveda Begashmias. You ever heard that concept? Aveda Begashmias? Serving God with the physical. That is one of the main ideas of Hasidus, that the Rambam says that you could use the physical L'shem Shemayim for the sake of heaven, because I use the physical, so I eat so that I'll be able to learn, I sleep so that I'll be able to daven. And Chassidus came and said, no, the eating itself is serving Hashem. The sleeping itself. The, the physical, it's serve Hashem with the physical itself. <clears throat> so, Aveda Begashmis and Aveda Samachshava, are they two separate things? They, they seem to be two separate things. But if you think about it for a second, they're really not. They're really, they're, they're really interdependent. How does one serve God when doing the physical? How does one serve God going through one's day when one is involved with the physical world? With Avedis Machshava. It's all about Avedis Machshava. Tov. So, how is that different than yeah. elevating the work? Why is that different? Mm-hmm. Why is that a different concept than elevating? If someone says, I'm going to work because I have to have money to pay tuition, or I want to. The traditional way. Why is this what you're saying different? <clears throat> Again, I'm sorry, Shlom, I don't understand the question. The Avedis Agashman, Avedis. Uh, yeah. So the Chassidus views of Avodah Gashmi as the thing itself. To know him in the Drachecha. Okay, so how is that different than the Rambam that one goes to work so <coughs> pay tuition, daven? So, but the work itself is it just a means to an end? Yes. Or could you serve God while through the working? That's Chassidus. Now, the working, it's, it's not just in order to be able to pay tuition. The working itself could be Avedis Hashem. Rabbi Yechon and the Kabbalah says, made Yechudim when he was making shoes. 
It's called Rebbechan and Asander, Rebbechan and the Shoemaker. He was making divine unifications. Right? You forstate that Rashi, Rashi's business was wine. When he was doing the wine, he was serving Hashem. Not just in order. <clears throat> you know, I'll tell you, I'll share with you that one of the most, one of the things that affected me the most in my life, so I'm sure my Rebbe's Rabbi Weinberger from Woodmere, and one of the first uh, series of classes that he gave when I was like, I must have been 16, 15, he gave a whole introduction to Chesidus, a whole, uh, it's very, very fascinating, great. One of, one of the, I think the second or the third class has a great title, and it's such a meaningful idea. It's called Expanding the Domain of Divine Worship. That that's one of the main things that Chesidus did. It expanded the domain of divine worship. That it used to be thought that who could serve Hashem only if you're in shul or in a base medrash all day. But a person, you know, a wagon driver or a water carrier or an accountant, they could say, okay, I'm doing it in order to serve Hashem. And Baal Shem Tov said, no. <clears throat> whatever you're doing, you find God. In whatever you're doing, as you're doing it. Right? So that's expanding the domain of divine worship, to say that divine worship could be in anything. You know, you think, he, he actually, Rabbi Warmaker said a, a story in that shir where, um, you ever heard of Rabbi Yakumer Shechter? Is the head of the breast of a chassidim in Yerushalayim, breast of a very big, uh, big tzaddik. So, so Rabbi Weimarga said that he he had a meeting with him, and he said that he so often wants to learn, but he's distracted by this and by that, and he doesn't, you know. So Rabbi Yakumer Shechta said to him, you know, I had intended to sit and learn, but some American wanted to have a meeting with me, meaning Rabbi Weimarga, and he said it's all part of Avodas Hashem. It is. It's a serving. It's, it could be used into serving God. It just depends on the machshava. It depends on the thought. I mean, this is this is this is basically what Tanya is about. Also, that's why it's called Chabad, right? We just as we mentioned, there's a difference between the way the Piazetsu is going to explain meditation and the way Chabad explains meditation. But but Lamaisa, it's it's the same idea to use the mind. That the way your mind is your is is how you say is who you are really. Tough. Let's go further. Yeah. Now seemingly, a Jew who's a beginner, who's a simple person, a beginner, that has not yet tasted the taste of supernal thought and imagination person that hasn't tasted what I'm trying to convey. He'll ask a very strong question. And if, if it's very interesting in Hebrew, you know what charedi means in Israel? Well, in Israel, yeah. In Israel, it's like a political thing, right? It social means term. a social term, a sociological term, exactly. So charedi is a type of... But what is, what is it... Where does it come from? Why is it called Haredi? Tremble. Tremble. Trembling, right? Haredi, to tremble. So he look at the way he uses that, that, that verb three times. He uses it as a noun. Makola charoda cherdas hakovich anu charedim. What is all this trembling? This, 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 tremble, this, uh, this honor that we're giving with trembling, that we're so trembling, we're like, so how does he translate? I'm curious how he translates. He also, eagerness, trembling. Yeah. 
What is all this frenzy? What is this trembling that we're doing? What's this big deal that we're making about developing machshava and 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 uh, and um, and and uh, making it stronger in us? What people, if if you've never tasted it, you'll ask, what's the point? Why is it so important? You say, This simple person, a beginner, might ask, what do you mean I should use my thought? What kind of thought could we have? What could my thoughts, how could my thoughts serve God? What do you mean my thoughts should serve God? You know what thoughts are, you know what, what do I have in my thoughts? What are they good for? I could, with thoughts, I could think about trees and rocks. In other words, a person that hasn't yet began this Aveda is, think, is going to say, what do you mean? My thought I could only picture, I could only imagine physical things. So what does it mean you want me to imagine God? What, what does that mean? Well, my thought only knows how to do, imagine physical things. That's the content of my thought structure is physical things. We only have you know, bodily uh, things. I can't think about something I've never seen. So what's going what's gonna to be helpful, this thought, this imagining? He says, and, and he says like this, says, let's take a step back. I'm telling you to think God all day. Let's take a step back. What about by davening? Forget about all day. By davening. By davening, we have the same problem. Let's say it happens that you, you're into it, right? You're feeling it. You're in the zone. And you want to dive in the way you're supposed to. And your thought is pretty clear. And we want to think a godly thought. But so often, we don't have what to think. What am I supposed to think about? To try to picture God with physical thoughts, to try to picture God with a body. Right? The Rambam forbade it. It's completely usher. You're not allowed to picture God with any physical form. We know that is one of the 13 principles of faith. I think it's number three, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Right, that we can't picture God in any physical form. So, so how am I supposed to think? I'm, I'm only used to thinking about things that I've seen that, that have dimensions and stuff. And the Rambam forbade us to think about it in many places. Are you familiar with that? The Rambam, that Rambam over there, and the Ravid, what the Ravid argues on him? Very famous. The Rambam says that anyone that thinks that God has any body parts is a min, is a heretic. And the Ravid argues and says, People greater than the Rambam thought that God had a body because they took the anthropomorphisms in the Torah literally. That when it says the hands of God, the eyes of God, they took it literally. We can't even imagine like, that the Ravid should say somebody greater than the Rambam thought that God actually has hands. It's like, it's like hard to imagine, Right? But we're going to see the Pizetzma has a very interesting way of understanding that Ravid. We'll get to. But right now, certainly, the, the, the normative Judaism is that God doesn't have any body parts. God is an infinity beyond any body part. Right? But, and the deeper levels of understanding how completely negated from any form he is, which is why he could be in all form also. But Lamaisa, so what am I supposed to be thinking about? 
to try to picture a spiritual form that's that's uh, abstract from this world that's that's uh, uh, stripped away from this world to try to have some kind of spiritual thought that's not with anything in this world thoughts don't know how to do that that's why when we picture angels why do people like to picture angels with like a cute little face and wings Right, like Tinkerbell. Why, why, why do people want to? Every we right away speak about wings because we don't know how to picture it any other way. Even Yeshaya, when he spoke about the Seraphim, he spoke about wings and Yecheskel because there's no other way for us to relate to it. So seemingly, even angels we can't picture as they really are. We can't picture without without having some kind of physical form. So it says, so our thoughts can't even have any an inkling of something above this world. If that's true, why should we work on expanding and developing and strengthening our thought? There's a long sentence, but is it, could it be that our thought and our imagination that only knows how to think and to imagine from Harbe Batim, Anoshim, Mashadvam Gufni, my picture houses and people and other physical things. You're telling me that if I if I take that thought and I make it stronger, I'm able to be able to develop it, you're telling me that it's gonna to 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 uh, raise up a person, Ulahamideyu, and make him stand before God. To actually see himself standing before God's throne of glory. When he's still in a body in this world. You, that's what, this is all the same quote of the beginning of the paragraph. He, he, there's many, many lines. He went, he's saying, this is all the taina that a simple person, a person that hasn't yet tasted this Aveda, will ask this question. What are you talking about? I don't. What do you? What do you mean? I, I can't picture God. I all I know how to picture is physical things. So you're telling me that I, that while I'm alive, I should be able to use my machshava to be able to mamish feel myself standing before God's throne of glory. He says, "Well, if he seichel and more than that, if you and a seichel is at first glance, you would imagine. Huh, how does he translate it? Simple understanding." Yeah, so the, the simple understanding, if a person tries to develop this kind of thinking, it could bring to it, it could make a person hallucinate. To have false, you know, false, um, um, how does he translate the uh, Shav? Illusions. Illusions and hallucinations, right? We, we don't want to become. You know, a person that's uh, seeing things and stuff, right? We don't want to become meshugan and meshugayim and start having illusions and hallucinations and stuff like that. So, so and that, seemingly that's what this could bring to. A person you know, might so, ask. I think a lot about this. It's like when we pray and we're in a good space of, of davening. Yeah. It's emptying our thoughts, a visualization. Like, I don't feel like I visualize. If I'm, I'm davening well, I'm not visualizing. So that's exactly his question. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm spending a lot of time on this visualization piece. I'm like, I, that's, if you're spending time visualizing, well, then you're going to be off. Your feel is going to be off. You're going to be in another place. <clears throat> but that's know? exactly what he's saying. So yeah. that's because we're so used to visualizing physical things. 
But the point of imagine that we could use that visualizing vis-a-vis God somehow. And visualize what? That's exactly what he's saying. The question is okay. In other words, the, the, the whole I kind of like the fact I like being empty, uh, like to feel like I like to kind of like hold back my thoughts. Right, but then, but so, that, so but even let's talk practically for a second. But imagine, so how do you think about Hashem? I just think of like this never-ending expansiveness, like this sort of like this everything, you know, Movado, like, you know, like that kind of concept. Okay. You know, like I'm davening and I'm saying these words or I'm saying whatever coming from my heart because there's this essence in the world that's controlling everything, like this whole godliness that I'm surrounded by. So you are thinking positive things. I'm trying to, of course, but I'm not visualizing. I don't do a visualization because you can't, I mean, Rambam. Exactly. So, but imagine that you could... I'm not thrown on a, you know, I'm not seeing a king on a throne. So exactly. So so then, so that's the question he's asking. So what are you talking about? So what are you saying visualization? How could you apply visualization to God? That's exactly what he's asking. Okay. That's what, that's, that's literally what he just asked. So listen to the muscle that he gives. He gives a great, very actually humorous muscle um, to answer this. Avil ka'omur. However, as as I said, she'ela kazu matima. Such a question is fitting. Rak lemisha matchil ata b'avodas hamachshava. Something that's just starting now with service of the thought. Right. That's this new world of avodas hamachshava that the chayvus alavavus is talking about. The inner world. The person that's first beginning it, kol As long as one hasn't developed one's thought, As long as one hasn't tasted the taste of a pure thought, meaning again, not just what not to think, but to have pure thoughts, holy thoughts. Mikaven shushakua, Since this person is sunk has sunken into only physical bodily movements. And also his thoughts, he's only used to using for things of his body. What can I eat? What should I drink? I use my thoughts and my imagination. How can I make another dollar? You know, my business. The, the real machshava is still hidden in you. Now, the piece that's saying it's not that you don't have the potential. Everyone has the potential. Because again, like we said, it's a munapshuta. We're not, we're not talking about understanding deep things. We're talking about being able to focus one's consciousness. So it's, it's, it's hidden in you. You haven't yet taken its head out. You haven't yet revealed it yet. Therefore, it seems to you that this revelation of the power of thought and imagination, which is a spark of prophecy, right? The Piazzatzer says many times that Hasidus is the beginning of the taste of prophecy. What Hasidus wants us all to experience is a spark of prophecy. Of the prophets have visualizations, right? The prophets are full of visualizations. So he says, this thought, this imagination, this spark of prophecy that we're talking, and that we're talking about now, right? It, 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 um, yeah, it, it seems to be only to, to, to develop thoughts about houses and about business, 
What else could my... What could, it, in other words, I'm talking about a spark of prophecy. I'm talking about using your thought, mamish, to serve God, to touch the divine with your thought. And so a person will ask, A, how do I do that? And B, he says, it seems like that what you're talking about now, this whole making the thought greater, that's only about things that I could picture that I'm used to picturing. So, so like, what, what are we talking about over here? So he says, So he gives the following mashal. It's a great mashal. The mashal that a person says, Oh, what, should I, what am I supposed to be thinking about? How, what, what do I use my thought for? It says, I'll give you the following parable. It's actually very funny. A poor person, the person that's so poor that he has to go from door to door. Shnorin. Yeah, uh-huh. the person that's so poor that they have to go door, knocking on doors. Nebuch. person, he can't feed his family, has to knock on doors. Shecholim and now all of a sudden he has a dream. So he's the past couple of years, he's been knocking on doors, he's completely poor, he could barely afford to give bread to his family, to his kids, barely could squeeze out anything to give them. And all of a sudden he has a dream. Shecholim melech. All of a sudden he had a dream that he became the king. Now, seemingly, you would say that's a pleasant thing, right? It's a good dream. Which is the words it says by Pari. When he woke up in the morning, he was agitated. And he started crying. He said, what do you mean? I'm going to be a king? He started crying. And he said, If to be able to give enough money for my own family, I have to snore, I have to go from door to door. How am I going to be able to afford to pay for all the army and everything that a king pays for? You get the irony, right? Mm-hmm. There's the king. He said, If in order just to get enough money for my family, I have to go around the city and I have to put in all this effort. Now I'm going to be a king. I have to now give money for the whole army if I'm the king. If I snore and I go around the hole and I knock on every door in the world, I'm not going to be able to have enough money to pay for the pay for these the, the army. What's what, why is the guy stupid? What, what is he? What is he missing? What's he missing? What, what, what what's he not hopping? What's his mistake? The king doesn't have to knock on the doors of the world. Exactly. He if has money. He inherently has money from the taxes and everything else that goes on. If you're the king, you're the richest guy in town, yeah. right? In, those, in other words, that what? You're thinking about a king, just what a king has to do. You're not hopping what a king also has. Yeah. Right? So, so to a person that says, what's my machshava for? It's only good for, it's only good if I make it stronger if I make my machshava stronger, I'm just going to be able to think more about houses and food and drinking. It's literally the same thing. Uh, the machshava is, is being the king, right? The machshava is the king of who we are. You know, that's, by the way, uh, it says in all the svarim, a king is melech, right? Moach is the brain, lev is the heart, kavit is the kidney. So the, the, we always say the brain is the, is the brain, the mind. The heart is emotion, and the kidney is physical desires. So melech is a person whose brain is over their heart, which is over the kidney. But the other way around, kidney and heart and brain, that the brain is just subservient to the desires, that's kalem, which means embarrassment. So the king is machshava, that's the king of who we are. 
So the question that you say, oh, you want me to develop my thought? What am I going to just think about houses? It's like this, this poor person that had a dream of being a king. Oh, I'm going to be a king and I'm going to have to schnar. I'm going to have to knock on all the doors to be able to support the army. It's not understanding what the king is, what the machshava is. He says, Ve'im koyach avonim... So how am I going to be able to go in all the doors and knock on the doors to be able to feed the entire army? The Kolze, you know why he's making this mistake? What a beautiful way to express it. He's measuring his kingdom with a pauper's measuring stick, with a pauper's ruler. It's a gewald, it's such a deep idea that, 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 that a person is measuring their kingdom, measuring what they have, measuring, measuring something rich with the measuring stick of a pauper. That, that's, you know, it's, uh, I always, I, I'll say it's, it's relevant, it's one of my favorite ideas from Rabbi Yitzchak Vorker. Rabbi Yitzchak Vorker was one of the students of the Kotzker. So he says a, a, one of the most deepest ideas. He said like this, we know that uh, the world rests on three pillars, Torah, prayer, and chesed, right? Perkei Ovis, the beginning. Those, those for the world to exist, there has to be Torah, there has to be prayer, and there has to be chesed. So the Varker asked, what did they do in the Midbar? How did the world exist? When the Jews were in the desert for 40 years, everyone was eating the manna from heaven. Everyone was eating man. So nobody had to get stuck on. Good question. So how did the world exist when there was no chesed? What chesed could be done? What, what kindness could be done in the desert? So Varka said like this, you know, what did the man taste like? Whatever you wanted it to taste like. So the Varka said like this, the poor people were like thinking of like grilled cheese sandwich. You know, a tuna melt or something. And the rich people, they were thinking about filet mignon, caviar, and they would come to the poor people and say, don't think about that. Think about Think about steak. In other words, the rich people would raise the poor person's aspirations. And the worker said that's the biggest chesed you could do. To raise a person's aspirations that they shouldn't measure their life with a, with a measuring stick of a pauper, but to have greater aspirations. I mean, obviously, that's a deep idea. Like, how does your Yiddishkeit taste? So some people, it tastes like whatever you want it to taste like. We all know that Judaism is... Many, many forms. As many Jews there are, that's how many forms of Judaism there is. But how does your Judaism taste? Whatever you want it to taste like. <clears throat> so the Piazzetsu is saying, so some people have a, you know, they look at Judaism as being very poor. Judaism is just going to shul, mumbling the words, shaking the lulav, you know. It's just, it's just a society, it's just a culture. That's looking at Judaism with the, with the measuring stick of a poor person. That's like if a person wakes up and he thinks, yeah, how am I going to be able to pay for the army? Once we learn what machshava really is, you'll see what it, what, how it's the king of what a person is. He says, Shefarnas is, uh, I think we'll, Shefarnas, uh, we'll, we'll stop in a minute. Shefarnas is kolchele rakaydei shesavala psochim. He thinks, he's, he's thinking in his lowly thoughts and his kleina hasogis and his small mindedness, he thinks that how is he going to be able to pay for his army? <clears throat> also by going from door to door. <coughs> Like the, the same way I, I, I give money for the rest of my kids. He can't pick himself up from his poorness. 
I mentioned on Shabbos the word from Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde said, there are many people lying in the gutter, but only a few of them are still looking up at the stars. So this person can't, he can't pick himself up. Like, I, I just, uh, this is who I am. That's it, finished. He doesn't know how to pick himself up from his paucity, from his poorness. To understand that then your whole money is going to be completely different. That's the muscle that he gives. And Mitzvah will continue learning how it's the greatest wealth and how it'll be our king. And Mitzvah will continue. Any questions, comments, or witticisms before we call it a day? No, it's good. Okay.